You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, January 19th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski says she's working on legislation to streamline the process for fishery disaster payments. Congress has allocated hundreds of millions of dollars to provide relief to Alaskans for recent fishery disasters declared at both the state and federal level. But during an episode of Talk of Alaska on Tuesday, Murkowski said the process of distributing that money isn't working effectively as fishermen wait months or even years for the relief. So we can't let the agencies, as that last bottleneck, be a bottleneck that stops things up for for two and three years. Murkowski says the bill to fix these issues will likely come from Senator Dan Sullivan's office. She says the main issue is with the federal agencies that distribute the funds. You've you've got a a boat payment that needs to be made on a monthly basis. You have crew you want to keep on. You have to, uh, you've got to educate your kids and uh, feed your family. So these are not, these are not things where you can just kind of sit and, and, and wait for, for multiple years. Murkowski did not offer a timeline on when the legislation would be introduced. Kodiak's Tanner Crab Fleet is continuing to stand down, saying they still haven't come to an agreement with local processors on price. Nat Nichols is an area management biologist with the state's Department of Fish and Game. He said Tuesday that nearly 200 vessels are registered for this season's Tanner Crab fishery between Kodiak, Chignik, and the South Peninsula. And to the department's knowledge, none of them have set their gear. Nichols called the solidarity, quote, impressive, end quote and said the department hasn't received any harvest reports from vessels. He also said there haven't been any landings of tanner crab since the season began this past Sunday. Permit holders for Kodiak's tanner crab fishery met on Monday night and voted to continue negotiations with canneries in Kodiak and out the Aleutian chain. The group is set to meet again on Friday. The soonest the fleet would go fishing is Sunday, a week after the scheduled opener. Bartlett Regional Hospital has lost close to half a million dollars per month for the last six months. Temporary pandemic relief funding masked the problem, but now it's clear that there will have to be major changes to stop the losses. Sam Muse is Bartlett's chief financial officer. We haven't fired any staff, and the the hope is that you know we can we can figure this out in a way that we're we're moving shuffling people around and and finding good solutions for every uh, home-based staff here. So, He said the nationwide labor shortage makes it especially important for the hospital to retain its staff. Muse said inflation and higher labor costs due to the shortage of health care workers are driving the losses. The hospital's costs are going up, but the amount it is paid by Medicare or Medicaid is not keeping up with inflation. You know, I think it's an issue that all healthcare systems across the United States and, and certainly in Alaska are, are trying to grapple with right now. And There are also effects from losing lower levels of medical care in the community like nursing homes and hospice care. That means some patients who should leave the hospital can't. The hospital is not reimbursed for those hospital days, which can be lengthy. We're providing that care because the community needs that care, right? Uh, and we're trying to fill gaps, but we also aren't being reimbursed for it. Bartlett has a phased plan to start saving money. Its goal is to begin the next fiscal year, which begins in June, without a budget deficit. Current actions include hiring restrictions and overtime reductions. The hospital is also cutting incentive pay, reducing traveling and contract employees, and offering incentives for retirement. By the end of March, the hospital may have to start cutting programs and reducing its workforce. 
Kenny Solomon Gross is the hospital board's president. He says the committee is on board with the hospital's plan to reduce costs. The last thing that Bartlett wants to do is have a reduction in staff or, or layoff people. We might have to, to retrain people in different areas and move them into areas of need. Um, but I, I just want to make sure that that's said loud and clear to our community. Typically, hospitals like to maintain enough cash to operate for six to nine months. Bartlett has enough cash for run for seven months, about $42 million. Alaska schools are preparing to meet the new state educational requirements of the READS Act next fall. The legislation aims to make sure that all Alaska students can read well before they graduate third grade. But implementing the law will cost schools a lot of money at a time when state funding for education remains flat. So schools across the state are scrambling to figure out how to pay for the new requirements. KFSK's Rachel Cassandra has more from one school district in Petersburg. Hello, how are you? Eliza Wormack is sitting at a circular desk with three first graders on a recent morning. So we are going to read a book. Wormack is a reading teacher in Petersburg. This class is for early readers who want to work on spelling. She picks out a book on stick bugs. Their scientific name, phasmids, is spelled with a P-H. That could be an S or a Z. Wormack is the only reading teacher at the school. This fall, the Reads Act will change her work dramatically. She's looking forward to some of the changes, but when she read through the nitty-gritty of the legislation, she was worried. It was kind of frightening at first because it seemed like a lot of rules and parameters were being placed upon us. Warmack isn't the only educator in Petersburg who agrees with the intention of the new law, but feels a considerable amount of anxiety about it. Petersburg's elementary school principal, Heather Kahn, is also concerned. The law asks kids to repeat a grade if they don't have a high enough score on the state's standardized reading test. Kahn says last year, nearly 80% of third graders in her school didn't meet that mark. We took a state test last April. And based off of those results, I about, I about puked because it was not what I was expecting. Alaska performed second to last in reading levels last year, something the legislation aims to change. But kids are still recovering academically and emotionally in the wake of COVID. School funding from the state has been flat for six years, not even adjusted for inflation. So schools will have to figure out how to pay for new requirements with their withering budgets. Khan is especially worried about how to fit all the new instruction requirements into the school day. The REITS Act also requires additional testing and paperwork, summer school, teacher training, and an evidence-based curriculum. Khan agrees with the aim of the mandates, but she knows Petersburg's seasonal work schedule means kids miss extra school days. She worries the mandates will push families away. My fear is that we're going to see a decreased number of students in public education and more towards homeschool. In the small Petersburg School District office, Karen Morrison is spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to implement the READS Act without breaking the budget. Morrison has been the director of finance for Petersburg schools for over a decade. She says the school has been operating on a bare bones budget and staff for years. I don't even see where you could pull any cream off the top. There's no cream. We're as lean as we can be. 
Much of their latest budget crunch is due to increased utility costs. She says the price for heating fuel has risen 300% in the last few years. We don't have a choice but to keep our buildings heated. That eats into teaching supplies. It eats into uh, curriculum. The school has some COVID relief funds they can use for one-time costs. The district is in line for grants to pay for new curriculum costs and teacher training from the Reeds Act. But they'll still need to cover a budget gap in the realm of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Morrison sees the budget as a puzzle the community needs to solve. It will actually be a community, stakeholder, and board decision on how we're going to fit it all together. And I see it being a combination of several different things, definitely leveraging our grants. There are still many unknowns in the specific requirements of the Reeds Act. Guidelines are rolling out as the state education department publishes them. And final regulations will be open for public comment and voted on in April. Back in the classroom, Eliza Warmack is wrapping up her reading group. Thank you for doing this investigation with me. She'll see these kids again next week. But next fall, she's not sure how her job will look. Bye. Anything else you need? Nope. No? Books? Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Rachel Cassandra. Winter is tough on roads in Alaska, and Wrangell is no exception. Some streets are special sources of frustration for residents who have to dodge over ever-shifting cracks and potholes when driving or walking around town. Wrangell's municipal leadership is hoping the state government will lay down millions of dollars in transportation funding this year so the community can replace some streets and sidewalks downtown and in other high-use areas. The Community Transportation Program grant is run through the State Department of Transportation and held every three years. Wrangell's borough manager, Jeff Good, told the borough assembly at a January 10th meeting that, like most state grants, it's competitive. We're actually applying for the community transportation grant, and in order to do that, we have to we need a resolution that commits funds for whatever our match would be. And in this case, it's a 9.03% match in order to do that. Wrangell's Borough Assembly has committed upwards of $812,000 as a match to the estimated $9 million road project. It would resurface a few roads downtown in addition to redoing sidewalks and storm drainage systems. The Assembly also approved an additional $38,000 match for the borough to apply for the Transportation Alternatives Grant, which covers sidewalks and trails aimed at moving people around without cars. If awarded, both the roads project and the sidewalk project would be engineered and carried out by the Department of Transportation, not by Wrangell officials. If awarded funds, Wrangell's primary commitment would be a match of about 9% of DOT's estimated project cost, which could be different than the current estimate. Wrangell Borough staff said they could know in May whether the community has been awarded any transportation funding. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.